Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Another day, another glass of wine. It's a hard job, but I do it all for you guys. I know I've said it before, but it's true. I'm happy to share that this week's episode is provided by El Potrio Pinot Noir 2017 by Ondrama Sellers. Ondrama Sellers is run by husband and wife team Juan and Miriam Puentes. Juan is the son of immigrants from Jalisco, Mexico, and Miriam is an immigrant from Mexico City. Ondrama is a celebration of opportunity, labor, resolve, and the bond of generations. Named in honor of Onario Ramirez Mata, Ondrama reflects the bond of respect and admiration between generations. From the soul of a great man whose quest for a better life for his family brought him to Napa Valley, working to tend the vineyards and harvest the fruit, to the souls of his children and grandchildren who lovingly make the wine. They produce varietals of wine from Cabernet Sauvignon to dessert wines like La Chica. Miriam is one half of the duo that created Las Amigas Cuvée, the first sparkling wine made by Latinas in the United States. So go to ondramasellers.com for more information and to purchase a bottle. Enter code WINEANDCHISME for 15% off your purchase. Let's use this opportunity to support these Latino winemakers and small businesses. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. I'm honestly last night we had a virtual wine tasting okay. and I'm exhausted but <laughs> I'm tired we went through an entire bottle or I say we I meant when I say we I mean me went through an entire bottle of wine right <laughs> but um we always have a good time during these things. So, and I have another one tonight. I have another virtual wine tasting this evening. So, <laughs> you know, it's really hard drinking wine and talking to people. All right. It's I a tough imagine. job. Yeah, it's a tough job. But somebody has to do it, right? Thanks. <laughs> Joshua, I'm so, do you prefer, I can't, I remember I asked you, but I couldn't remember what you said. You prefer Joshua, you said, right? Joshua's fun. Josh, Joshua, whatever is totally okay. fun. What? So I'm so glad we're finally able to do this. I know that you, last time we had scheduled, you got COVID. Oh my yes. gosh. How are you feeling now? I feel great. I feel good. I feel really good. Seriously. I feel really good. I told myself that I wasn't going to come back out until I tested negative and I was able to test negative, you know? So that's when I started coming back out. So I'm good though. I'm great. 
Good. Well, I'm glad you got rest. You sent me a picture of you like with the IV. I was like, oh my gosh. And you're like, I could still do it if we don't. I'm like, no, you need to rest. I couldn't believe you're just like, no, I could still do it. I'm like, no, 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 you need to take care of you. Please just take care of you. So I'm glad we're finally doing this. Um, Before we get into anything, I know that you're not drinking because you're pulled over in a car talking to me, but I am because... Hello, it's the Wine and Cheese podcast. Um, you know what cheese means, right? Being Puerto, you're Puerto Rican. I don't know what that means. I am Puerto Rican though, but I don't know what. That means. Oh my gosh! Well, honestly, I didn't even know you were Puerto Rican until I saw <laughs> what you put it down. Well, I put saw that you put that you're Puerto Rican down. So chisme is gossip in Spanish. Okay. So, okay. but you. the way we use it in our, in this format is yeah. that people get to, it's not like your Tia's gossip where you're, you know, being chismoso on everybody and talking smack about everybody else. And it's basically, you get to spill the chisme on yourself. So yeah. it's your terms. You get to spill what you want. Um, so today I am drinking, the wine part is I am drinking El Potrillo by Ondrama Cellars. It's a Pinot Noir, 2017 Pinot Noir. Ondrama Cellars, we had a wine tasting last month and they were one of our uh, wines and it is so good. So if you notice, I didn't pour myself a super heavy pour because this is what I was told and we always learn something. Is right. When you keep your pours or pours like this, like small, allows the wine to property, properly aerate. So instead of having a big glass of wine, you have a half of a glass of wine. And then if you go, you know, you go to a restaurant, you can always ask them to do it half and then bring you the other half later. So, okay. um, but this is a North coast Pinot Noir and it has a natural balance of fruit. So it says this wine is semi-dry yet sweet, light, and crisp. So it is actually, I've tasted it before and it is a really good wine. So I always have to take a sip before we start. No, you good, you good. No, it is. It's a really, really good Pinot Noir. It's actually one of the. Do you drink wine at all or no? I don't. I only okay. drank one time. I only yeah. drank one time in my life. You've only drank one time in your life? Well, yeah. I think I could imagine it's based like on your history and everything. I don't know. Right. Yeah, so we'll get into that. But I honestly don't even remember how I found you. I know it was on TV. And I don't remember if it was because you're in Philly, you're in Philadelphia. So it wasn't a local news thing. It had to have been something that hit national. It was probably probably, probably like the Shade Room or something like that, if you're familiar with the Shade Room on Instagram. So it was probably like the Shade Room, more than likely probably the Shade Room. I do follow the Shade Room. So it's definitely possible that could have been it. But I saw your story and literally... I don't even think I waited five minutes after watching it. And I was like, I need to follow him. I want to hear his story. This is rad. Like, I love what he's doing. And then when you sent me your bio, which took you a while, but we got it. But this is why I'm, this is why, right? Like you were kind of of fighting me. Like, do I need to fill this out? And I was like, well, that's how I get questions. And I'm so glad you did because otherwise, like I wouldn't know some of these things, right? So I definitely know why you do what you do. You know, you grow up reading your bio and everything. You didn't grow up in a stable household or have much of a home life. So would you mind kind of sharing the circumstances of how you grew up? Yeah, so 
as a kid, first thing first, my I was I was raised by my father. Um, my father was a single parent. My mom, she was uh, addict, just as well as my dad. They were both battling addiction. My dad got my mom high for the first time. My mom, um, she just couldn't like she couldn't withstand it. So she like became homeless behind addiction, um, prostitution, you know, um, all of that stuff. So she wasn't never a part of my life. You know, my dad, he he's an addict as well, but he's a functional addict. So he's able to maintain a job at the same time. He still gets high. He got a house, still gets high, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was just difficult, you know, cause I was an extremely troubled kid. I felt very neglected growing up. My father um, would not show us attention. So I would go to school and act out and get the attention from the teachers and get the attention from the principal. But it wasn't the attention that I needed because eventually I ended up getting expelled from middle school, got sent to a disciplinary school, um, got sent to boot camp. Right after boot camp, got sent to um, Glen Mills, which is another juvenile detention center. So as a kid, I was in and out of juvenile detention center. The first time that I ever caught a case was, um, the first time I ever got locked up, I apologize, was at the age of 13, you know? And um, it was just difficult because at that age, I felt like I had to fend for myself. You know, my role model was my older brother, but my older brother, he, you know, he sell drugs and, you know, he had all the fly stuff. He had money, he had cars and stuff like that. And that's who I wanted to be like. That's the only role model that I had in my life. So it was like, all right, cool. At one point in time, I started doing everything that he was doing. And it just, it just didn't turn like as a, as a child, like it was just, you know, it was, it was just a lot. Yeah. Um, my my brother, he so my dad. The first time my dad cut my my dad used to cut our hair because my like we couldn't afford to go to the barbershop. So my dad would cut my hair, and um, he would mess us up. So every time we go to school, like we used to be the class clowns because my dad was not a barber. He just always looked at it like the cheap route out because he couldn't afford to take us to the barbershop. He would cut our hair. And my brother, he was tired of my dad messing us up. So my brother took on a role and started cutting my hair. And my brother was way better than my dad. So since my brother wanted to become a barber and he was the one that was cutting my hair and my brother was my role model, was like, damn, you know what? Like, this is what I want to do, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so the so so the passion of me wanting to become a barber, it, it was since I was a child, you know? But everything that I've been through as a child was just, it was just crazy, you know, like stealing from stores. It, it was, it was, it was wild. It was wild. Yeah. That is crazy that you say you, you caught your first case at 13. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. And I think when you come up in a childhood like that, like you said, you wanted attention. It was like any attention was, it wasn't the attention that you needed, but it was something right. Acting out. It was just to get some sort of attention. And I think, A lot of times when we see kids who are acting out, oftentimes we don't know what their situation is at home and we want to say, oh, that kid is bad or that kid. But we don't know what that kid is 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 dealing with or experiencing at home that would allow them to just have just to do anything to get some sort of reaction from adults. Right. When how when you first went to jail when you were 13 how long were you in there was that the only time or did you spend time in and out i spent time in and out the most that i ever spent when i was a child was 
to boot camp. I'm sorry, to boot camp for three months. It was a 90 day bid for three months. And then when I turned 17, I got sent to Glenn Mills. Glenn Mills, I was away for 14 months. And I was only able to complete one home pass because I stood in trouble all the time, you know? So I wasn't able to come home every month because I wasn't completing the home passes um, because I was always in trouble in there. So I only completed one home pass while I was in juvenile detention. But yeah, that was the only two times. But mind you, I was getting locked up as a child like frequently. It wasn't just them two times. I probably like from 13 to like the age of 18, I probably got locked up probably... I want to say like six, seven times, you know, and that's not even counting when I became an adult, because even when I became an adult, I was getting locked up as well, you know, because when you live in, when you live in a certain lifestyle and, you know, you selling drugs, like you getting a job, like once you taste that money, you getting a job is like the last thing that's on your mind because you know that, all right, cool. If I'm working this job, I'm getting paid 300 $400 a week. I can make that kind of money in a day. So what's the point yeah. of me getting a job, you know? And that was the thing. Like, I really didn't like authority. Um, I was, yeah, I was just reckless, you know, I was just reckless. So it's crazy. Last month, I actually had somebody on the podcast who had, who was talking about these boot camps that he was sent to. And that's crazy that it it's like once you talk to somebody, even if they are completely unrelated, somehow that gets brought up in, in another way again. What was your experience in those boot camps? Because I know that like, or from what I understand, they can be very abusive. They can be very, what they're presenting to the outside world is very different than what happens behind closed doors. What was your experience in that? Yeah. So I definitely agree with you. Like they put on this act of it looking like this, but it not really being like that. A lot of people got abused in there. Um, I got into a couple of fights in there, but I didn't get abused. But I witnessed abuse on multiple occasions, on multiple, multiple, multiple occasions. And it's just sad, you know, as a kid, um, just seeing that stuff, honestly, it was just extremely sad. The most abuse I ever witnessed was probably when I went to um, Glenn Mills. Glenn Mills is is a juvenile detention, but it's kind of sort of like a boot camp as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just insane in there. When I mean, like, literally, like, they would beat people to, like, it, like, literally, like, right now, they're shut down and everybody is filing a lawsuit against them people because that's how many people they, like, yeah, a lot of, they, they hurt a lot of kids. They hurt a lot of kids, you know, so. Wow. How did yeah. that, how did going through those experiences affect you? Because what, what, and, my- previous guest said he said those were worse than being in jail yeah but that it didn't affect me at all you know because I kept on getting in trouble right after that you know Mm -hmm. like that really didn't bother me like me being away at that time it didn't really bother me because I didn't have no priorities I didn't have no children then you know Mm -hmm. as an adult when I went through like when I went to jail as an adult it affected me because I had kids that I missed dearly you know like now like uh As like a juvenile going through that stuff, honestly, I just looked at it like, you know what? Like I'm home. My dad was very abusive mentally and physically. So it was like I was on vacation, you know, because it's like I was getting abused at home. So like what's the difference of me getting abused in here or me getting abused at home? Like it wasn't really 
it really didn't matter to me, you know? Like, I really had, like, a, excuse my language, like, a shitty attitude, you know, when I was a yeah. kid. Like, I just Oh, really you can cuss on here. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I really had a <laughs> shitty attitude when I was a kid, like... So you are a father now. How old were you when you became a father? And then how did that kind of change your, did you ever even, were you able to graduate from high school with all of that? I ended up dropping out of high school because I got kicked out of, I got kicked out of high school. I ended up dropping out of high school, but then I ended up going back to high school when I was 23 because I know I needed to go back for barber school because I really wanted to enroll into barber school. So once I graduated barber school, I mean, once I graduated that program that gave me my high school diploma, I ended up getting locked up again. And then once I came home, I enrolled into barber school. So when you got locked up before, like after you graduated, before you enrolled in barber school, did you have kids at that point? I did have kids. Yes, I did have kids. So the first, um, my first, my oldest, he's 10. So I had him at 18, but he was born when I was 19. Yes. Yeah. So when you got locked up for that, was that the final time that you got locked up was when you were 23? Yes. Yes. So was that the thing that you were just like, wait, I can't do this anymore. Like I have a kid, I have a family. I got to change. Oh, yeah. So I have children. I don't only have one kid. I have children (laughs) now. Right. So what happened was that honestly was that I ended up getting locked up for some drugs, a lot of drugs. It was offering me a minimum of 10 years. And honestly, at that point, I just knew that, like, listen, I'm sitting here like fighting for my life. Basically, I have, you know, children. I just like I I can't afford it, you know. So when I ended up coming home, I I came home in July. I enrolled into barber school, ended up starting barber school in September. And honestly, that's what changed my life completely when I enrolled into barber school, you know, because I found something that I actually loved doing, you know, yeah. my passion, which is my passion right now. I like before that, like I really didn't like I really didn't have nothing that I really liked doing besides, you know, me just making money fast money to make sure that my family is cool, to make sure that my children is cool. That was like my main priority. Speaking of, before I ask you the next question, did your older, because you said what really inspired you to go to barber school was your brother. Did he ever go to barber school? No. So it's crazy because my brother right now, um, it's crazy how life works right now. I say that because my brother, he actually looks up to me now. You know, and he looks up to me because he's really bad on drugs right now. And um, like when I mean extremely bad, he's like extremely bad on drugs right now. And um, it's just sad. You know, it's just super sad. Like sometimes when I'm out here providing free haircuts for the homeless, he comes out from time to time and, you know, he cuts hair side by side. But he's like in the streets, you know, he's in the streets. So it's like, you know, from homeless to him going to recovery homes to him coming home and stuff like that. So, you know, and it's certain things that he dealt with in life that got him where he's at right now. He dealt with, you know, one of my nephew, his son actually ended up passing away, ended up drowning inside of a tub. So it's like certain things that he dealt with that actually like led him to him coping with it without like, you know, going, going straight to drugs instead of, you know, going to like a therapist and stuff like that. So, yeah. 
Did you, I know you, you've said you've spent a lot of time in and out of jail and everything. Were those all for like possession or did yeah. you ever get involved in actually taking drugs? Cause I know no, like no. when you, mm-hmm. yeah, I was about to say, cause mm-hmm. just from experience that I've had with others, when you're in that environment, you either become involved in actually taking it or you yep. stay as far away from, you might like in your case, you were probably selling it. You were just, yeah. you know but then you didn't want to have anything to do with actually taking it. Well, I know for me, honestly, like my whole family has been destroyed because of drugs. My dad, my mom, as I spoke about addiction, my my aunt, my grandma, you know, just like I told you, my brother, which is somebody that was very close to me. So addiction is like all throughout my family and it like destroyed everybody. So like the last thing that I ever wanted to do was to put myself in a situation like that, whereas though I'm vulnerable, you know? Um, I smoked one time in my life. I had a YouTube how to roll up. Never smoked after that. I drunk one time in my life, threw up everywhere. Never (laughs) drunk after that. You know, hey, if you do that your first time, that'll definitely steer you away from drinking. Yeah. So I never did it after that, you know. So I'm like always sober on life. (laughs) Yeah. So get high on life. But you know what? You do you're doing so many really awesome things and I was reading in your bio that one of the things that inspired you, because like you said, you, you, one of the things that you do being a barber is you go out to the homeless communities and give haircuts. And one thing that I was reading is that you, when you were in barber school, your te- I don't know what they would be called, like the head barber, the teacher or mm-hmm. whatever, took you guys out to homeless communities. And that impacted you in a very profound way. Can you tell me about when that happened and what kind of effect that had on you that you wanted to continue to do this beyond barber school? So my barber instructor, he would take us to shelters. That's how we learned how to cut hair. And honestly, for me, me being able to provide a free haircut to someone meant more to me than to actually receive money for it. And his method was, you know what, we're going to go to these shelters. We're going to provide these free haircuts. But at the same time, we're going to learn how to cut hair because none of y'all got experience, you know. So I think it was an it was an amazing way to teach us. And once again, like for me, me being able to converse with these individuals and just like, you know, ask them questions and them, you know, damn, I really appreciate this. Even when I first graduated, like my cuts was trash, but they still (laughs) was very grateful. You know, they still was very grateful. So I just feel like my experience with that is what actually led me to do what I'm actually doing right now, for sure. How do you think, because I know you say these people are really grateful. How do you think when you go out and give these people a haircut, how do you think that impacts them when they walk away from you? They're crying. They're giving me hugs. Thank you, Josh. Like, you got to understand, when I was just, I was just in Dallas, Texas, um, not too long ago. I saw that. I was like, man, I wish I knew, because I lived in Dallas for 15 years. I'll fly out to LA on set on this um the 26th. So I'll be in LA on 26th. Do you have to come uh, down to yeah. San Diego and do something you're down two, here? Yo, you're two hours away. It's crazy, right? Because I my cousin is going with me on a trip and um I hit him up last night, but he didn't he didn't answer. And I saw that you like lived in San Diego. So I'm like, I put it on the GPS from LA to San Diego. It said like an hour and some change, close to two hours. So I'm like, yo, it'll be cool if I could probably do this podcast in person instead of doing it over the phone. Oh, you know, you know, like, <laughs> so, you know what? We can always change it. Seriously, we can always change it. We can always change it and right. do it in person. You just let me know. We'll figure it out. 
I got you. We'll definitely figure it out for sure. Even yeah, that's that's not a problem. You know, that's not a problem <laughs> at all. We could definitely make that happen as well. Um God, what was the question again? I'm sorry. Oh, how these are I know, look at because we're getting all it's okay. We do this all the time. Um, how is it impacting these people when they're walking away from you? Yeah, so when I was actually just in Dallas, Texas, um, some guy he was just like, Josh, you gotta understand. It's not like you're coming out here and you're passing out food. It's not like you're coming out here for five minutes and passing out clothes. Josh, you're spending hours with us at a time. You know, you're coming out here, you're spending five, six hours with us. So you're actually getting to know us for who we are, you know? And I just feel like these individuals, once again, are extremely grateful. And I, I consider them like my family. Like these are people, especially here in Philly, like, I see them. I'm able to call them by their names when I see them, you know, yeah. and the majority of the time when I call one of them by their names, they're looking around like, Who the? you know, like because you're seeing like, them as people. I think that's such a huge exactly. thing. You're, you're seeing them for the people that they are. And when you spend that much time with them, you're listening. Like They're probably yeah. telling you their stories and how they ended yeah. up where they're at. And they feel seen. I think that's like for no matter who it is, whether you're homeless or whether you are living a mansion, people just want to feel seen. And so oftentimes homeless people are not like I live pretty much in downtown San Diego. So there's a lot of homeless population and I try at least say hello. Sometimes I've had people ask for, you know, like, oh, do you have anything? And I'll will come in my refrigerator and grab food out of my refrigerator. I've given blankets. I've given whatever. I try and keep certain things because I think people just a lot. I think oftentimes they don't necessarily just want to be handed money. They want to be feel they want to feel seen. They want to feel comforted. They want to feel warmth. I can't even imagine like being in Philly or New York or boss anywhere that it's cold and being homeless and then having people just walk by you and you're not even seen and people not even want to do anything. That's a very difficult thing for me to grasp. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also a bleeding heart where I want to be able to help everybody. And I, I wish yeah. I could help everybody. So what you're doing is so huge. Have you taken your kids to to see what you do when you're here? And what does what is their I, impression? I actually, it's crazy because I actually got my kids on my flyer that I created. I don't think I have one on me now to show you it. But I actually have my kids on my flyer. And my son, Javian, he's five years old. My son, Julian, is four. And they both want to be barbers. When I mean, like, my son, Javian, like, literally knows. When I mean so much, this little boy is super smart. And he's just super excited for us to get the um, mobile, for us to get the mobile barbershop up and running so we can actually really travel, you know? So, like, this dude, when I mean, like, I wish I had him right next to me so you could talk to him. He's a smart five-year-old and he already has his mind made up. Like he wants to be a barber. That's it. He don't want to be nothing else. That little guy is like amazing, seriously. But my children, honestly, they all look at me like celebrities. You know, they all look at me like every time like I'm on a newspaper, they always keep the newspapers and stuff like that. You know, so it's pretty dope. It's pretty, you know, it's it's amazing, you know, because it's like I'm really cool with all their teachers. And since it's like, my organization, Empowering Cuts, is kind of a big deal in Philadelphia. A lot of the teachers already know who I am. So it's just As like, it should it's, be. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty dope. You know, it's pretty dope. So. One thing, like one thing that I really appreciated that you said, and speaking of that is you said, you know, when you're talking about those homeless people, you're saying a lot of these people didn't have strong homes that were filled with love like you. And you can't do better unless you know better. And how can you know better if you aren't shown better? Shown better, yes. 
And I feel like that's obviously very important to you and what you're doing with your own kids is you're trying to show them better. Mm. And I'm sure you are loving them in a way that you've never, you you were never loved as a child. What is your hope for your kids seeing the experiences that they're getting when you're, when they do come out with you and they do see these things and have you ever talked to them about, they might be a little young, but have you even started talking to them about how you grew up? And if not, like, would you, are you going to talk to them about how, what your experience growing up was? Yeah, for sure. I would definitely like once they get to the age where as though I could sit them down, I would definitely love to converse with them about, you know, my upbringing and stuff like that. Because sometimes my children, um, they're very privileged. You know, they walk around with Nintendo Switches and PS4s and, you know, all of that stuff, latest Jordans and all that cool stuff, stuff that I didn't have, which is why I do that stuff for them, because I didn't have that. When I was a kid, I used to have to wear my brother clothes. My brother at that time was probably like a size 10. I was probably like a size eight or probably like a seven. So mm-hmm. it looked like I had clown shoes on my feet going to school, me wearing baggy clothes because he was bigger than me, you know? So it's just like even the little things like that, being able to take them to the mall and just buy them some fresh kicks, me being able to buy them some clothes, all of that stuff is just stuff. Damn, like I wish when I was a kid... I had this, you know, but yeah. I'm just glad and grateful that, you know, I'm able to do it for the kids for sure, you know. And I do speak to them about, you know, how people become homeless. Sometimes we actually sit down and we listen to these interviews um, together, you know. Mm-hmm. So my children, they're really big on every time they see someone that's homeless. Dad, can you give them some money? Dad, can you give them some change? And the majority of the time is me giving them the dollar or me giving them a couple of dollars so they can roll down their window and just give it to them personally to the person that's homeless. So that's, no, absolutely. You know? I think that's probably powerful. You're the, yeah. what you're teaching them at such a young age to be able to have empathy and to be kind to yeah. people and to show there's just so much that you can learn from that. Um, I know you're also, you also say you are an Uber driver as well and you're a barber. So you're definitely what so many people in this country are doing and in regards to having multiple jobs to provide for your family. How outside of being like, do you have, I know you're providing all of a lot of these homeless haircuts for free. Do you also have a a place in a shop where you're Mm. cutting hair as well? Or is everything that you're doing in regards to your, to cutting hair, strictly doing you know relating to the homeless yeah strictly for the homeless like i would never um it's crazy because i had the opportunity to open up a barbershop not too long ago and even if i was to open up the barbershop i would never cut for any money inside of that barbershop so just me be owning a barbershop just Mm -hmm. to hire another barbers to work in there so i would never work i would never cut hair for money never you know like I have so many people that 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 hit me up in my DM on a day to day basis. Hey, my kids need a haircut. Can I book an appointment with you? I'm like, I only strictly provide free haircuts for homeless. That's it. And that's really all I do. Like, I obviously I got to cut my own kids hair, you know, so I got to <laughs> cut their hair. Yeah. But besides that, like I only strictly provide free haircuts for homeless and I drive for Uber, you know, um, when I get to the point where I could focus on empowering cuts like a regular job, 40 hours a week, then, you know, for sure 
it'll be amazing. But as of right now, I drive for Uber. I love driving for Uber because the thing here is that when individuals get in the car, a majority of the time they're looking in the back of my hair rust. And in the back of my hair rust, it says empowering cuts and bro to read in the back. So they're like, what's empowering cuts? Now I'm able to network with different people that probably possibly never heard of it, you know? Yeah. So it's just amazing. Like the networking opportunities is amazing. But a majority of the time when I pick people up, they're like, hey, you're the guy that give out free haircuts from the homeless, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You famous in Philly. You famous in Philly. I'm going to make you famous here, too. (laughs) It's bad. It's bad. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, like, when I, like I said, when I saw your story, I was just, like I said, there was no hesitation. I was like, okay, let me find him on Instagram. Let me yeah. follow. And you were you responded really quick back to me. I was yeah. actually very surprised and I appreciate it because when I see somebody has an inspiring story and that are doing things, especially when you're doing things that nobody else is doing, I want to talk to you. I want to hear like the story. And I knew instantly. And I know when, you know, when you do TV and even when you do print, because I work in public relations as well. You know, you're only getting part of the story. There's only so much you only get when you're on when you're getting like a TV spot, you're only getting two to three minutes. You can't really tell your story in two to three minutes. And even with a newspaper article, there's only so much that they can go into. But that's why that's why we have these types of platforms. So you can really get into all of the things that led to what you're doing now. So I appreciate that. I know you were saying you're talking about the the mobile home that you're converting. It's a 32-foot mobile home that you want to convert into a mobile barbershop. You've already raised $50,000 to convert that or that's your goal? Yeah, no, we yeah, our goal is only $20,000. So oh, we raised wow. we raised 33 we exceeded by 30,000. Our goal wow. is only 20,000. Yeah, our goal is only 20,000. So it was amazing. So how is that, that going? How is that conversion going? It's amazing. It should be done within the next three weeks, hopefully. Oh and my when gosh. I mean, when I mean beautiful, like I'm going to send you the before photos and then I'm going to send you the after photos. Please. And mind you, it's like still empty on the inside, but they got the floor and we got the walls up. We got the lighting in there. We um, got a bathroom in there now. They got house electricity running inside the RV. We got house plumbing inside of the RV. We're getting a European shampoo bowl installed, two barber chairs, a glass. Um, well, it's not going to be glass. Yeah, it's going to be like a mirror, but I think it's like plexiglass or something like that. But we're going to put like a mirror the size of the wall in there as well. Um, TV. Uh, it's it's going to be dope. Trust me, it's going to be amazing. Oh my, I cannot wait to see yeah, photos I'm, of that. Yeah, That's going to be I'm, awesome. I got you. I got you. Yeah, no, I really do want to see. Believe me, I will be <laughs> blasting that out because that no. is freaking awesome. What do you hope to, do you hope to be able to crisscross the country with that? Like, and then how, or do you want to just, you will have basically have your own barbershop, but it's the mobile barbershop. You get to kind of yeah. dictate where you're going to do, or do you want to, are you going to kind of stay focused in, in with that in one area because Uber is how you're creating and generating your income? How do you work those two? Well, we're still trying to figure it out. Honestly, um, we've raised the money super fast that it really didn't give us no chance to actually think about like what was going to be our next move. What I mean, like, listen, we so even before social media, we actually before we promoted anything on social media, through the um, local nonprofit organizations that we deal with now, we were able to raise about four to $5,000 just off of word of mouth, not even posting anything on social media. Once we posted it on social media, 
It went crazy. We end up doing like 19,000 in less than 24 hours. Wow. And then the, yeah, in less than 24 hours. And then GoFundMe picked up the story. So they emailed Blast all of their donors. And then we were able to do about like 22,000. I'm sorry. We were able to do like 22,000 in less than literally probably like 15 hours or something like that, you know? So it was amazing results that we had because of the, because of the GoFundMe. But um, it's coming along beautiful. You know, it's coming along beautiful. I'm super excited. I think that we will be, we will definitely keep that RV close, probably like the Trocity for now. Mm-hmm. And and when everything happened, we were able to make a connection with Ben Simmons from the 76ers. And um, we was talking to Ben Simmons with him and his team. And basically, I believe that they, they're they going to be blessing us with another RV already fully equipped um, oh as a mobile barbershop. So with that one that the 76ers donate that one will be for us when we do travel, you know, if they do yeah. end up blessing us. So we'll keep the one that we're converting now for, um, you know, Philly and the tri-state area. And then the other one that the 76ers end up um, donating, if they do donate it, we'll use yeah. that to travel the country with it. So that is so awesome, especially right now in this, you know, especially when it becomes like winter time and stuff to be able to give these people a place to be warm, to have these haircuts, yes. you know, and for you too, because I'm a, look, I am a born and bred San Diego girl. I don't do, yeah. I'm not a cold person. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, it gets certain, it gets to like, if it gets 60 degrees here, I'm freezing. So I cannot even yeah. imagine when it gets real, real cold. Yeah. If people want to like continue to donate, are you still accepting donations for, for other uh-huh. things or have you closed that off? I'm about to close it off, like literally probably within the next couple of days, honestly. So right now we're not accepting donations, you know, <laughs> because all of the donations were the only donations that we were raising was strictly for the RV. Mm-hmm. So we're about to take that down within like the next couple of days, you know, so we're not accepting any donations right now. If people want to support, like what are ways that people can support that are not in the areas that you like if they're not in Philly, are people able to say, look, we would love you to ha- to come to this area or how can people kind of just support you and the things that you're doing? Like what's the what's yeah. the best way to support, to if, support you to, to so you can continue to do this? Yeah, so um. I, financially, um, I guess like Cash App and Venmo, you know, and everything is empowering cuts to this. But for any organizations that ever want to partner alongside anything that we're doing, you know, I'm always open for conversations, even if that means, you know, us figuring out them not being from Philly and, you know, let's just say they're from San Diego and, you know, they want to fly us out to San Diego. A lot of that stuff happens as well, you know, because mm-hmm. to the point like now, like I don't pay for my trips. You know, I don't pay for my trips because I partner up with a lot of organizations that's like, hey, well, we want you to come out here and provide free haircuts. And it's like, cool, it's free haircuts. So how are we going to maneuver the whole flight and the stay yeah. and all of that, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, if any nonprofit organizations is definitely willing to um to, to partner alongside of us, you know, they can always reach out to us, email. Um, Instagram, DM, Facebook, and box, you know, all that good stuff. And it's me behind all of that. So, you know, if, like I'm, I'm very fast with responding to business. So that's not. Yeah. And everything is at Empowering Cuts, right? At Empowering Cuts. The only thing that's not is Instagram. It has a underscore at the end of Empowering Cuts. So it's Empowering Cuts underscore. That's all. And 
I want to make sure to give you the opportunity before I ask you those last couple of questions. If there's anything else that you want to make sure that maybe I didn't ask, because I feel like a lot of these questions that I had, you uh, actually, you know what? There is one question that I did not ask. So when you look, kind of look at your life right now, do you ever and where and how you grew up? Have you been able, because I feel like you're a very humble person and you're just like, no, you just kind of keep going, keep plugging away. But have, do you ever stop and go, damn, like I'm doing something different. Like yeah. I'm proud of myself. Like yeah. I'm proud of what, able, what I'm able to provide my kids. Like, yeah. are you able to stop and do that for yourself? Um, at times, yes, for sure. You know, and I'm just so such of a given person. Like my birthday is this upcoming Monday. And what I'm doing for my birthday is and I'm blessing. 20 families with meals for my birthday, you know? That's all I want to do. Like, I don't celebrate my birthday at all. Like, and that's what we're doing. We were thinking about giving away $1,000, $200 to five families for everything that's going on at the moment with the Christmas holidays and stuff like that. But it was like, we knew for a fact that since it was money involved, it was just going to be too much of a headache. So we like, you know what, instead of doing that, let's just bless 20 families with Christmas meals because if we got individuals that's reaching out to us for Christmas meals, then these are the people that actually need. So we are blessing with a Christmas meal and we can bless them with some money as well, you know? Yeah. So, um, and I'm doing that for my birthday. I'm just like a very given person. I love just being able to put a smile on somebody's face that don't know how they're going to pay a bill or don't know how they're going to, you know, their, their, their next meal and stuff like that. Like, and I always been like, when it always, since I was a kid, I always been like that, you know? So, um, sometimes I do get the chance to actually sit down. It's just very draining sometimes from me doing Uber to me focusing on empowering cuts. I wish that I was able to focus on empowering cuts, just strictly empowering cuts, because I know this organization will be on a whole nother level, you know. But eventually, and once again, it's just me doing this. Yeah. Um, I have two other board members and they don't really tie in with anything that has to do with providing free haircuts. So when I'm going out there and I'm providing these free haircuts, I'm doing this by myself. It's me, both my cameras, both of my tripods. And it's just love because I go into the environments that's insane. Like in Philadelphia, people know not to go down to the Kensington section of Philadelphia. I go down there comfortably because I love that environment. When I go to these places and I travel out to different states, I don't go to the prettiest places. I yeah. all, yo, where the hood at? You feel me? Like that's where I'm at. Where the hood at? And that's where I go at all the time. When I go to L.A., a majority of that time, I'll be on Skid Row. Mm-hmm. And I picked one to go to L.A. because I always wanted to go oh, to I LA. could tell you, I could I show never, you exactly where to go over here. I never <laughs> had the opportunity to go to L.A., but during like watching documentaries and stuff like that, they told me, listen, Skid Row was crazy. But mm-hmm. once again, like if you could tell us where to go exactly in San Diego, I would be glad to go visit. Seriously, you know, and yeah. we could probably, you know, shoot some content together or something like that. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. I mean, there's a, because like I said, because I live pretty much in downtown is right. and I live close to Balboa Park. So you have people in Balboa Park and then you like there's definitely pockets of where there's some major stuff. My first weekend, I, I moved away from San Diego for a long time. And my first weekend back, I literally, I'm not even kidding when I tell you this. I was staying in the Hillcrest area of San Diego. 
And there was this homeless man who looked like he was drunk. He lost his footing and hit his head. You know, like those metal bunch bent bus benches that you wait. He hit his head on the butt on the he tripped, hit his head, passed out cold. And I'm like behind him. And look, I don't care who you are. I don't want to see anybody suffer. I don't want to see anybody hurt, regardless of of who you are. So I'm like calling 911, waiting there because I'm like, sir, are you okay? Are you okay? Like he's knocked out cold. And there's people walking by, walking over him. Just just passing by, walking over him. I was so mad because I'm like, he is still human. And apparently he had just gotten out of the hospital. Like the cops already knew who he was. They felt they were able to revive him and they had to take him back to the hospital. But like literally he still had his hospital thing. But I yes. Was he drunk? Yes. But you don't know what like when I saw how hard he hit his head on the corner of that bench. I would not be able to live with myself if I just walked like if I just ignored that and walked beyond and something would have happened to him. And and I think the important part about this is that. I, I love people, right? And I know, like, mind you, besides me cutting hair for the homeless, I go around and I interview the homeless as well. So I speak to these people, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So a lot of their stories, like, for example, just to give you one story real quick. Yeah. Some guy, I'm going to give you two stories. So some guy named Tony, I cut his hair. No, I, I met Tony four years ago. Tony used to live on a cardboard box. The following year I saw Tony, Tony was living inside of a box truck in the back of a box truck and tony was happy with that because tony wasn't living tony wasn't sleeping out in the street no more he was sleeping inside of a box truck he was happy with that though the following year i saw tony tony almost walked by me he gained all this weight i didn't even notice him i'm like what the like he looked it good like he looked it good <laughs> A year after that, I saw Tony, which was literally probably like a couple of months ago. And Tony, he's doing amazing. He has an apartment now. Tony has this pro, he's in this program. It's called Rent for Life. They pay his rent for a couple of years. Um, He's getting like some disability check. So he's doing amazing. Tony is doing the best he possibly, the best he ever did in his life. He said he still struggles with addiction and, you know, he he's lonely inside of his apartment. But Tony went from sleeping on a cardboard box to an apartment wow. for four years, you know, so it was beautiful. And Another you know story. what? Because you you cut his hair, you got to see this because yeah, you yeah. saw him as a person and as a human. You got even when you bumped into him, you remember his story and you've got to see his evolution. Yeah, I would not. I would never forget who Tony is. I like these people are people that I would never forget, you know, like mm-hmm. their face is etched in my soul. Like, like, you know, like these people mm-hmm. are family to me. Yeah. I, like they're family. Like, so it's crazy. Right. Another guy, I was having a conversation with him and he was telling me, he said, Josh, you got to understand when I was when I was born, my mom, she gave me up for adoption because she didn't know how to be a mom. I got adopted by this guy that was a single, he was a single guy and he didn't have no family. It was just him. He adopted me. He owned a candy store and he ended up passing passing away later on and he left me everything behind, but I didn't know what to do with it. So I ended up losing everything. I became homeless. I picked up an addiction and Josh, what you got to understand is that I could get clean if I want to get clean. But what's stopping me from getting clean is that if I get clean, I'm going to feel like I'm leaving my family behind, which are the homeless people that he surrounded himself around, you know? 
because he doesn't have family. And when he said that, it gave me a different understanding. Like, you know, you talking about people that are homeless, that even if they're getting high, they're looking out for each other. You know, yeah. like they're looking out for each other on a day to day basis. Listen, if I don't got it, you got it. If, if, if you got it, then, you know, like they look out for each other on a day to day basis and they become family. So a majority of them is just like, you know, like especially here in Philly. Mm-hmm. The Cousinson section is, I never, all the places that I've ever been to, never been to a place like Cousinson. Like, when I mean, like, you walking down the street, you yeah. see somebody helping the other person shoot up inside their neck, blood trickling everywhere. You got oh people gosh. literally, like, they look like zombies throughout the whole Cousinson. Like, it looks insane. Like, and that's normal for us to see that stuff, which is why a lot of times people walk by it because growing up in Philadelphia, especially North Philly, you see that so much, you know, you see that so much. So it's so ran, it's so, it's, it's so normal for me to see that. Whereas though, if you're not from Philly and you see something like that, it'll be mind blown, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just, here's just a different ball game here. Like it's, it's just different. So different here, you know? So, yeah. so different. That's like, yeah. I mean, I think you probably, you definitely get different perspective than probably so many people. Are you thinking about, or have you thought about um, forming Empowering Cuts as a nonprofit? It is a nonprofit. Oh, it is. You've already filed. So it is a nonprofit. So you're just, yeah. so that's when you're saying you, once it grows to, so if people want to donate to the nonprofit, how do they do that? As a, like, are they able to donate to we the nonprofit? Right. So we haven't found. So the thing here is that we're like a new nonprofit. Uh-huh. We actually just um, filed for our status not too long ago. We're actually an official nonprofit right now, waiting for our five hundred one c three um status. So the five hundred one c three is still pending, but we're still in the process of creating a website. Um, once again, when I mean all of this happened so fast. My main focus has been the mobile um, barbershop right now. So it's really hard for me to really sit down with somebody for a website for people to donate. It's just like so much on yeah. my plate because it's just me doing this all by myself, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's just super hard. So as of right now, we don't have no way for anyone to donate, but I'll definitely keep you posted. Yeah, keep me posted because as soon as you do, I want to make sure I share that. And I'm sure you're going to have people, if you haven't already, reaching out to donate their services to help you create a website to help you kind of do all of these things. If you haven't, I'm sure people will. Yeah. So I haven't had anyone, um, you know, want to donate their services to create a website for us yet. I got people reaching out to us for a bunch of other stuff though, for sure. You know, um, barbers and hairstylists and makeup artists and just a bunch of people, beautiful people that's actually reaching out on a day-to-day basis because they see what I'm doing and they just want to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. Well, you know what? We're going to, I'm going to help you work on that because I know that I am not a website designer. I created my website, but I did it on Wix and it's okay, but I haven't hired anybody, but I know people. I've worked with a lot of people. So I'm a, I I really want to help with that to help somebody that. that can 
donate their services to help design a website for you because those are all really, you know, really powerful things. Like if you want, especially once you officially get your 501c3, you know, you want to be able to have people donate. You want to be able to have people go to the website, see all of the things that you're doing. So I am totally down to help in any way that I can, Josh, seriously. I appreciate it. No, and no, I appreciate that. Seriously, that means so much to me. Is there anything else before I ask you these final couple questions? that I did not ask that you want to make sure that you're able to kind of say or clarify or anything? Um, honestly, um, no, I think we, we touched base on a lot of things. I think we touched base on a lot of things. For sure. I told you, you're going to get more time here than anywhere else. Um, when I asked you to describe your life in one word, you said determined. Why did you choose right. determined? Um, because ever since I was a kid, I always seemed like I was determined. I always felt like regardless of my circumstances, I had to make it happen. You know, like when I was a kid, as I said, I always felt like I had a fun for myself. So I always felt like my back was against the wall and I just had to make certain things happen. You know, even when it came from when I was a kid, us stealing out of, you know, supermarkets to make sure that we was good and eating, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't mention this, but I ended up getting kicked out of my dad house because I was catching cases at the age of 13. But I ended up getting kicked out of my dad house at the age of 15, you know, and I got sent to my aunt house and my aunt was no better because she didn't discipline, discipline us at all. So at the age of 15, I could break night outside. I didn't have to come home, you know. And that just opened up a lot of other doors for a lot of other, a lot of other nonsense that I was doing. Mm-hmm. But um, I always felt determined, you know, I always felt determined. And even to this day, I just feel like my priorities, my priorities definitely changed. But I just feel like, you know, um, I don't know. Determination mixed, mixed is getting this far. And I feel like it's going to get you a lot farther because For sure, you're to do all these things. Sure. So I feel like, I, you know, normally I ask people, especially right now during COVID, people have picked up a lot of hobbies. I feel like, and I obviously, I've only gotten to know you through our Instagram messages and our voice messages that we've yeah. sent back to one right. another. But just hearing right. your story, I feel like you're not somebody who does a lot of hobbies because you're always hustling. Like, I feel like yeah. you're just like, I got my kids, I got to provide. I have this other stuff. So I'm going to change it and not ask what new hobby, because I feel like you've not, if you, if I'm wrong, please tell me, but how, yes, I got that from you. How has COVID kind of changed what you're doing, especially like being an Uber driver and providing these haircuts and you catching COVID yourself? How has COVID changed or has it changed all of these things that you're doing at all? So it's like a a lot of places that I used to volunteer my services at, especially in the wintertime, because like I could still cut hair outside. Don't get me wrong, but it is extremely cold. So mm-hmm. a lot of the homeless people, they don't want haircuts. They want their hair to grow on their head so their hair can be warm, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So a lot of them aren't getting haircuts as frequently. So I will partner up with these organizations that will let me in to provide these free services inside. But now with everything that's going on with COVID, it kind of stopped that, you know, so I'm not right now providing as many free haircuts as I was. And as far as me catching COVID, honestly, I just looked at it like, you know, me just being able to take a break. I'm just glad that I had a different strain of it. Whereas though, you know, you got people that get admitted to the hospital for weeks at a time. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have died from it. So Mm -hmm. I'm just glad and grateful that kids didn't contract it and that was honestly my main concern you know because what happened was that I contracted COVID during an event that I had 
um, that Monday, Tuesday, uh, that was on a Sunday, that Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, I felt like, like literally I couldn't get out the bed. The following Monday, I ended up getting tested. I tested positive, but throughout that week that I didn't know that I had it, but I was sick. I was still interacting with my children the way that I do on a day-to-day basis. Kisses, hugs, come here, like fighting with them. Like that's the way that we play every single day. So once again, like even with me having COVID, I'm just glad and grateful that none of them got, they they, they, they didn't catch it, you know? So that's really it. You know, it really hasn't affected me, but it is, it affected it's, it's, it kind of affected, like, you know, me being able to provide free haircuts at certain locations because of the capacity of people, you know? So, has it affected just in general your Uber, like everything you're doing um, with Uber? No, not at all. We, I'm probably making more money now as an Uber driver than I was back then. Really? So, wow. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, it hasn't, it hasn't. Like, I'm not one of them crazy, I'm not one of them people that got all the plastic inside their car and all that stuff. <laughs> nah, I kind of go with the flow. You know, we're going to roll the windows down a little bit. You know, as long as you got your mask on, I got my mask on. We good. And if yeah. you don't got masks, I got some masks to provide for you, you know, so. Josh, I am so glad we're able to do this. Normally I end, I start and end with wine, but we already know that you don't have a favorite type of wine because you don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I just want to say like how appreciative I am that you took the time, you know, you were like, no, we're going to make this happen. Today's your dad's birthday. You said you got to take him out. So to to get some food. So I appreciate that you um, are taking the time to share your story with me and and this community. Like I said, it's a really, it's a really inspiring story and a story that needs to be heard, I believe, because so many people you know, can take their circumstances. I always believe our circumstances do not define us. We define our circumstances. That does not mean that like you're not vulnerable to things happening to you, but no matter what we do, we have a choice, right? And sometimes our choices are not, sometimes they're not, the choices are not the choices we want to make. It's not always a good choice and a bad choice. Sometimes it's just like the lesser of two evils type of choice. And we have to make those on on a daily. So the fact that this is what you have chosen for you and that you've decided, you know, you were on a completely different path and you decided like, I have a choice to continue on this path or completely change it. And that's what you decided. And again, not, not everybody always has the capacity to make those choices. So it's definitely a story that, like I said, I think needs to be heard. And I appreciate you sharing with me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me on here. Seriously, I really appreciate it. You know, and once again, it could have happened sooner. <laughs> I, I would have even <laughs> did it when I had COVID, you know. No, so I wanted again. you to rest. I, wanted, <laughs> I know. I am I not know. that person. I, you were you really were like, oh, I could do it laying down from the bed. I was like, no. <laughs> Right. I think I sent you a message. I'm like, you are crazy. No, you need to take care of yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just glad that, you know, we was able to at least talk, you know, um, and see each other face to face. Because as you said, we've been DMing each other for a while. We've been using little voice messages, memos <laughs> for a little minute as well. You know, and hopefully when I do fly out to LA, we could connect, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, actually, I will be in Orange County. Okay. Yeah. So which is actually closer. I'll be, you know, because okay. my parents live in Orange County. So until next time, Mijente, I will make sure to provide all of Joshua's information in the show notes and on the website. And until next time.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Cheese Myth Podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Cheese Myth on our website, thewineandcheesemythpodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Cheesemate on Instagram and at The Wine and Cheesemate Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheesemate, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.